Welcome to Take It or Leave It, an advice-ish podcast for parents. You can download this podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. Be sure to subscribe and give us a review with your thoughts about the show. Thank you to Katie Call for her review. Katie, your feedback helps us feel comfortable as moms, too. Thank you for sharing with us. I'm your host, Tiffany from Juggling the Jenkins. And I'm your host, Meredith from That's Inappropriate. This podcast will discuss all things marriage, motherhood, and everything in between. Please remember that we are not professionals at anything you may actually need. So any advice we give you, you can take or leave because it might be crap. So welcome to Take It or Leave It. On today's episode of Take It or Leave It, we welcome Kristen Hewitt to the show. Kristen is a self-proclaimed recovering perfectionist. She will join us as we talk mom fails, what you should know about IVF and Kristen's personal journey, the holidays, and do you say I'm sorry as often as you should to your spouse. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss previous, current, or upcoming episodes. Uh, we are all here because we've struggled as moms. Anyone who says they haven't is a blatant lie bagger. <laughs> so let's start the show with a mom fail moment from our recovering perfectionist, Kristen Hewitt. Hi, Kristen. Hi, guys. Good morning. Hi. Hello, hello. Good morning. Welcome. Thanks for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Yes. So do you have an embarrassing mom fail moment you'd be willing to share with us and I have so many mom fails. I just don't know which one to start with, but um, <laughs> I will tell you this. So it's my daughter's birthday tomorrow and every year I bake a cake, right? So this year I just had knee surgery and I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I got out my stool and I sat there and I baked a cake with her and I burned it. <laughs> I completely burned it. So that was mom fail number one. And then mom fail number two today was you guys that don't live in South Florida it's cold here today. It is. Right? Winter, winter officially I came mean, yesterday. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it was 49 today. And my daughter went to get something warm to wear. And I didn't know that she'd grown two sizes since <laughs> last winter. So she had nothing warm to wear. So she ended up wearing one of my sweaters today to school. That was three sizes too big. That makes me feel so much better. I'm never prepared for winter in Florida. No, none of us are because it's so infrequent and it's so short. I, the same thing happened to me this morning, Kristen, the exact same thing. My daughter came in and she's like, mom, I only have that one long sleeve shirt and I wore it yesterday. And I said, don't worry, sweetheart. I am such a good mother that I washed and dried that shirt last night for you <laughs> knowing that it was going to be cold. And she said, okay. So she went and got it out of the, out of the dryer, but I washed it with towels. It was covered in lint and it was a red <gasps> oh, shirt. No. So she's like, I can't wear this. And she didn't, she wouldn't wear it. She went and got a she went and got something else and then added like two other sweaters to put over it. So she is at school in a, in a short sleeve shirt today. I feel like the lint would have made it look like a different shirt. She should have just <laughs> went with it. It's I feel like my kid looked like a vagabond today and her room. I wish I could show you guys the room because I trashed it. I mean, we took out every <laughs> shirt. I have bins of clothes from her sister that should fit her, but they don't yet. So the t-shirt she wore had was like three inches too short on her sleeves. Oh my gosh. That's it. And my it's husband's it. like, you can see her butt crack. It's too short. I'm like, sorry. He's like, do you have a belt? I'm like, no, I don't own a belt. If you need to get her a belt, go buy her a belt. Get, get, a, everything, get out people. of the house and buy a belt. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> well, we obviously, we just, the three of us have all just stated that we are never prepared for winter, but that's not our fault. That's on Florida. Yeah. By the way, that's not on us because Florida, Florida, Florida is is 
terrible, but it is a nice day outside. It truly is. 40, it was 40, like, would you say 49? I think it was 42 here and it is brilliant outside, but this won't last long. We'll maybe get two days of this. All right. So Kristen is a wife, a mom of two miracle IVF girls and a writer, a TV reporter, producer, editor, a spokesperson, a consultant, a travel junkie, a mountain loving winter sports enthusiast uh, who's been displaced apparently to Miami because we have no snow, a cupcake connoisseur, and she's Twitter obsessed. But what I love most about your bio is you said you're trying to live the way you're teaching your daughters to live, which was yeah. spoke to me and it's be who you want to be. That's that is your your mantra. And so we can get into that um, a little bit more. But uh, you started writing again, it says, after the birth of your second daughter. And people loved it. And you've won tons of accolades and awards. Mommy in Sports won three awards, including Best Blog in Miami and Voice of the Year 2017. Wow. Wow. You are doing lots of things. Yeah, busy lady. That- yes, too much. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to lie. I got tired just reading this bio. Like, I am impressed with you and everything that you're accomplishing. I know that it said on your bio that you started to write after the birth of your second daughter. What inspired you to begin writing then? You guys, you know what's so funny is I didn't know what a blog was. And so I work for the Miami Heat and Fox Sports. I'm the sideline reporter. And a super fan of the Heat was like, you should start a blog. And I didn't know what a blog was. And so he made me a logo and a domain called Mommy and Sports. Mm. And I, okay, so here's the backstory. So I had to do spring training in Jupiter and my baby was six weeks old. So I went to Jupiter and I forgot the breast pumping horn part of my breast pump. Uh, and mm. this chaos ensued. I had to get a TV producer to go buy the part. I had to pump. As I was pumping, the Marlins manager at the time, Ozzy Guillen, walked in and saw me double pumping. And he was like, Dios mio. I mean, it was like the most <laughs> awful day. I dropped my pump. One of the pitchers had to put the batteries in. He's like, that's okay. My wife has a Medela. And my husband was at And like this 15 hour day happened. And as I was driving home, I was like, I have to write this down and email my husband because he's never going to believe how hard it is to be a mom working in sports. And that ended up being my first blog post. Because I wanted to explain to everyone, you know, everybody sees you on TV and they think it's so glamorous, but there's so much chaos that goes on behind the scenes, especially when you're a mom working in a male dominated industry. That's so interesting. So is your blog like a combination of what it's like to be on the sidelines and being a mother? And if so, is there any rules that you have to follow as a sideline reporter, like things you can and can't share? Um, I'm very, you know, one thing I'm really envious of you, Tiffany and Meredith is you're able to speak like your entire truth. And because I'm on television, I Mm. find that I'm pretty reserved on my blog and on Facebook. I'll share some of my trials, my anxiety problems, but I really am. I don't, I don't put it all out there because, you know, when I wrote that breast pump story, I was so worried because I'm the only woman in the press conference room out of 30 male reporters. Wow. And I was so, and they all read my blog and I was so embarrassed to walk in, <laughs> you know, cause I, now I know they're reading about my breast pump, oh my but gosh. Um, I think it's so amazing. I am a little more reserved now, but I'm, I'm slowly coming out of my shell and sharing more and more. God, that's so amazing. So what's what's the the next big thing? Because I know you have a gratitude journey, gratitude journal. Because I have it, and yes. I loved I loved when you put that together. So what is like what's the next project that's on the back burner or coming up for you? Oh wait, 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 wait! 
You wrote a gratitude yeah. journal? Yeah, I can show I you. I made one. I made one. What? So, well, I, yeah. So I have my podcast, Be Who You Want to Be. I want to start season two, but because we had a death in the family and my recent knee surgery, I've had to put that on the back burner. I'm actually writing a book and I really want to focus on that mm. in 2019. Oh, good. But yeah, the gratitude journal was really, and I know we're going to talk about IVF, but I went through a almost decade long battle with infertility and my gratitude journal was what really kept me positive through that and hopeful. And then as after I had kids, I kind of fell out of my gratitude practice and I couldn't find one that I loved. So I made my own and that's kind of what I have now. Oh man, that's, I didn't even know that. I need to check it out. I love gratitude. <laughs> I know that sounds so stupid, but <laughs> gratitude is what, uh, what keeps me going most days is, um, appreciating what I have instead of focusing on what I don't have. And it really changes everything. Yeah. It, yeah. Does. it changes your perspective because, you know, I was sitting outside the other day and I was grumbling to myself cause it was 88 degrees and I wanted to be cooler and I wanted to feel the Christmas spirit. And then I looked around and I'm like, you know, what if we spend so much time focusing on our dreams, but how often do we sit around and realize that we already are living our dream? Yes. You know, um, we have so much and, you know, I always say gratitude helps you fall in love with the life you already have because just being a mom for me is such a blessing. Now, of course, they drive me crazy because they don't flush the toilet and they don't remember <laughs> to brush their teeth every day. But I mean, it's still right. just the fact that I'm a mom feels so, I just feel so lucky every day. That is so amazing. Uh, and that's what I love about you. I do. Every time we chat, you know, you really know how to bring it back. You know, like circle the wagons and be like, well, we have this. She does, though. She's good at circle that. Circle the wagons. Circle the wagons. You know, that's a thing people say. I don't think so. People say circle the wagons. At the retirement home. <laughs> probably. <laughs> We're in Southwest Florida. Where do you think I go on Friday night for bingo? Oh, my goodness. Okay. That's where she plays shuffleboard. That's, that's okay. where I go. And bocce ball. Whatever. I can't. Hey, I love bocce ball. Okay. Yeah. Give me a beer and bocce ball and I'm a happy woman. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah. So let's get into it. Let's get into the meat and potatoes, as they say. Do you have a joke for me, Tiffany? You know Please I do, no. girl. Please say no. You know I do. Ugh. Okay. So tell me, how does a penguin build a house? I, I don't know. It glues it together. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> Thank you. It's hilarious. That is so bad. Please tell my husband to stop finding jokes for you. <laughs> oh, that was awful. actually a good one. It glues it together. I LOL'd. All right. So anyway, let's head into trending parenting news. Yes. Tiffany. Let's do that. The holidays are here and the Girl Scouts of America recently issued a statement reminding parents that we shouldn't force our daughters to hug people. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. So here's the I thing. I say amen. Yeah. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I was, Tiffany didn't know anything about today's show. Um, neither did Kristen. Uh, and so when I brought this up to Tiffany prior to the show, she looked at me and she said, I cannot believe we're going to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, good. Maybe we disagree. And she's like, we totally disagree because I totally know what side of the fence you're on. So yep. I'm excited for this conversation. I'm so not. Let's do who do you who do you do you want to start or do you want me to start, Tiffany? I think you should start since this is your new favorite thing in the world. It's, it's not my favorite thing in the world, but here's the thing about the Girl Scouts of America making this statement. I fully, fully support this because number one, I am not a hugger ever. I don't want you to hug me. And the rule in our house, okay, first of all, let's clarify this. I hug my kids all the time. 
my children. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that I want to hug. Okay. Sometimes my husband. Sometimes. (laughs) But everybody else gets two hugs a year. You get one on your birthday and you get one on Christmas. Yeah, right. I got a hug from you and it was neither. Okay, that was an introductory hug, and only because you have a special place in my heart. I'll take it. There are rules, though, to this. And Kristen knows I'm not a hugger either. Like, people who know me know I'm not a hugger. Get out of my space. No. I feel the exact same way about my kids. I am not ever, ever going to force my kids or tell my kids to give somebody a hug. Ever. What if that person is creepy or smells? Right, but that's not... This says... Like, what about family? What about uncles and aunts and grandparents? Okay, so let's give some context to this. They're saying that you should not force your kids to hug somebody uh, because it raises the issue of consent. What if they really don't want somebody in their personal space? They're they're kids. Right. They don't know what they want. I want to jump in here, Tiffany, because I – so I agree with Meredith, and let me give you some contextual – so don't you use big consent, words with me, Kristen. There, there's a, there's a boy at my daughter's school that always hugs her and it makes her very uncomfortable. So I've taught her to do the Heisman arm. And for those <laughs> of you who don't follow football, whenever someone comes up to you and you don't want them to touch, you don't want them to hug you. You just put your arm out and say, hi, how are you? And you kind of pat them because she feels uncomfortable. I have a little one with anxiety. And if she doesn't know a strange, like a stranger or an aunt or an uncle she's never met before, she's uncomfortable. So I'm not going to force her to hug someone she doesn't know, or I don't know. I just, I want to teach them about consent. So I loved it. Well, I, and I agree with it. I understand not forcing your kids to hug strangers. Like I get that. That's right. weird. But I always, and I know it's not a popular opinion and that's okay. If my kid's grandma buys them a gift, I'm like, Go give Gammy a hug and a kiss and tell her you love her. I, I, I don't care. Okay, that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, but that's grandma, her grandmother. That's but somebody we're saying, they know and they love and yeah. This so let's says, say, but, have you ever insisted Uncle just got here? Go give him a hug or Auntie gave you that nice toy? Go give her a kiss when you were worried your child might not offer affection on her own. If yes, you might want to reconsider the urge to do that. I always say, make sure you say thank you or write a note, but I don't encourage physical touch. I don't know. I also work with um, a foundation called Lauren's Kids, and it's all about teaching kids that it's okay to, you know, to talk about things. And, you know, one in three girls and one in five boys are sexually molested nowadays. And it's most of the time, 90% of the time, it's from a family member. So I'm super... I don't know. Maybe I'm just a helicopter mom. And no, I'm I get it. Cautious. I, I think every parent gets to have their view as always gets to have their viewpoint and gets to have, you know, whatever for me, the reason that I feel so strongly about this is because I also share this sentiment of, I don't want you in my space, like leave my space alone. Like this is my space. And so I always, when I meet somebody, I'll extend my hand out first to shake your hand. If they try to come in for a hug, I, I like try to maneuver myself out of it, but sometimes you just get caught. And people force it on you. But it's like, I don't want your pelvis near my pelvis. Get your pelvis away from my pelvis, right? So, like, I don't – it just makes me so uncomfortable. Even though I know there's no innuendo or reason or whatever behind it, it's just uncomfortable to me. So, for my kids, it's like, no, you don't have to hug so-and-so. Like, it's it's cool. Just Here's my question. Here's my question. Two questions. First of all, did you grow up being hugged a lot? No. Okay. I did. I was forced to hug people, too. Which I hated. And second, here's my question. When we say forced to hug, 
For example, if I were to say, like, I have one of my best friends' name is Amy. Um, okay, go give Amy a hug goodbye. If my kid was like, no, I wouldn't be like, get over there and hug her now. <laughs> I would just be like, okay, but I'll suggest it because I, I think it's... I'm a hugger. I'm a lover. I, I, I'm a force hugger sometimes with people, even when they don't want it. And I just feel like this day and age, we have to be so flipping careful about everything. Um, and it's, I don't see an issue with it. If it's somebody who you love, somebody who's close to the family, just suggesting, okay, go give them a hug. And that's the beautiful thing about parenting is we all do what's best for our kids, but I'll take it one step further down here in Miami. Everybody kisses. It's like the two kiss cheek thing. Oh my God. I hate that. Do you guys do that face? (laughs) I swear if somebody tried to kiss my cheek, (laughs) I would just, I think I would die. I don't know if the cat vomit would start. (laughs) I would just die. Like, don't, please don't kiss me. Like I would just lose it. Everybody does that to me in Miami. And I have to, I think everybody hates me in Miami because I refuse to do it. I can't stand it. Are you a kisser, Tiffany? Do you do the double cheek kiss? Well, it's not an actual kiss, right? It's more like an air kiss by their cheek. It's like cheek and then kiss the air by their cheek. Do you do that? I I don't know. I love affection. Aw. I don't know. I think it's nice for some reason. I think it's very, uh, well, so here's the thing. The internet did go crazy with this with this article that the girl girl scouts of America had posted. And they were like me telling my kid to hug somebody is introducing them to a way to show that they're kind. And it's, I like the sound of that, but there are so many ways that I can teach my kid to be kind that don't include having them hug somebody. I mean, that makes sense. That's the way that I, cause I can, I understand where everybody's coming from with this. I once again, go back to, it's a personal choice for everybody. I have watched parents out and when a kid refused to hug, I have seen parents get, get very upset when their kid refused to hug somebody and then forced it. And I've watched that situation and that was like uncomfortable because it's like you you can suggest it. And yeah. if the kid is like backing away and hiding behind your legs, like just let that go then at that point. Don't force them to right. hug. That's all I'm saying is like don't force them to hug. Right. And then because when they've actively been like. I don't, I don't want to do this. I force my kids to do stuff all the time. Don't get me wrong. I force them to wear a helmet when they ride their bike because you know, death, I force them, I force them to pick up their toys because you know, they bother me and make messes in my home and none of them have jobs and they're freeloaders, but like, I'm not going to force a hug. That's where it's kind of like, or forced affection. Like to me. I don't know. But you're right, Tiffany. I am emotionally stunted and I was not hugged as a kid. Well, no, I think uh, most people agree with you probably. And I was I just know. curious. Let's take a caller. The comments are split. The comments say a lot of cultural, like different, there's different cultural customs too. I Here's my sense. question. Is it, so I was reading this and it says, um, because like for when they get older, then they feel like they owe somebody a hug for buying them dinner or doing something nice. And I don't know if that's really true. Like is having your child hug a relative or somebody when they're a young baby automatically going to translate to them feeling to putting like, out for dinner? Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't know. That might be a stretch. But I do know that there is probably a connection between somebody giving you something in the response including touching like hugging or whatever there's probably some like what is that pavlov dog thing what where it's like he they ring the bell and get the treat oh so it's like a response it's a conditioned response so i think there's probably something to that because it's like well you gave me something i have to give you something back 
And I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think there's definitely some. It's very thought provoking for sure. Yeah, I think it is. I kind of feel like there's a compromise between all of us because I love what one of your commenters said was you can suggest it, you know, and offer it. But if the child declines, you know, they can still say thank you, but it's up to them. And I kind of love that. Yeah. The road approach. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. I don't know that I would ever like punish my kid for not hugging, but I'll totally, I'm the first one to say, and I guess maybe it is demanding in a way if I say, oh, that's such a nice toy. Go give Gimme a hug and tell her thank you. And you love her. I think that though, that they're alluding more to you're at the family barbecue and uncle Steve, who you've not seen that your child's never met. So what if you say, can you go give uncle Steve a hug? And then, well, if they've never met him, why would they not have met Uncle Steve? He's he's just got back with his oh, brush. He just got out of the pen here about my family. I don't know. <laughs> I, but I'm just saying. I think there are family situations that arise where you've never met somebody before. It's like Uncle Steve's cousin's Bob's brother, right? Just um, got in from. That's weird. I get that. And prison. It's like, yeah. yeah. Prison. Out of prison. Well, but from anywhere, right? And it's like, go give him a hug. And they're like, mm, no. And then it's like, no, go do it. Their family. And it's like, mm, no. And then it's like, go hug your Uncle Steven. And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, so. And, and I think they're sometimes. scaring me with your scary voices. <laughs> well, I think sometimes <laughs> social pressures force us as parents to do things in a situation and we're not really thinking about it. And it's just like, Go, go hug him. Please go hug him. You're embarrassing me. And it's like, no, no, just it, it's not really a knock on Uncle Steven, right? It's really just it's cool. Give him a, give him a fist bump. Right. Give Uncle Steven yeah, a fist bump. Yeah, that's a good one. Tiffany, if I ever meet you, I'll give you a hug if you want. Thank you. <laughs> I know, maybe a cheek kiss or is that pushing it? Do we no, not, I'll, I'll let call you do the air Dave? kiss, but no Sweet. actual lip touch. No making okay? out. Okay. No. Wow. We just have Not had yet. Not unless we've had a few drinks. <laughs> well, that'll never happen. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> we never we a caller just hung up do you want me to tell them to call back they were scared because they know what time it is sharon sharon where are you at sharon isn't that the name of my character yeah cheryl or sharon, sharon? I or remember. cheryl i think it was cheryl right I, I know that i love little kid hugs at what okay so at what age do you stop because clearly you don't have to say that to an older kid if your kid's like 11, you don't say, go, go give grandma a hug. Cause then Some, the- sometimes I have to remind my older one, my 12 year old. I always say, say hi. Hey, look who's here. Say hi. I don't ever encourage hugs, but I say, say hi, say hello, you know, Interesting. and that, then they can decide how they want to greet them. Hmm. But how do they know how the- I- they know because they see me hugging them. They learn by example, right? Our kids become who we are, not what we tell them to do, right? There are mirrors. So if they see me hugging and they know it's a safe person, they hug them if they feel comfortable. Yeah, I I, I guess my my kids are definitely not going to be huggers for sure because they don't see me hug people ever. Me (laughs) And, you know, I was going to say, if it wasn't for what Kristen said, like my family was so lovey and huggy. Like we would say I love you a thousand times before they left the front door to go to the grocery store and we would hug 20 times. And it was just how, you know, I was brought up. And so it's all I know, really. Um, And so you adopt me into your family. Oh, I would love to. (laughs) Oh look, we have somebody from Iowa. So oh they my gosh, must have Iowa Pine. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy, are you here? Yes. Hey, Sammy's got four kids. Hi, so Sammy. Sammy, which team are you on? Hello. Team hug or team no hug? Team no hug. Oh, tell us why. 
I don't like hugs. So you're not a hugger. really uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> and so I'll let my kids hug me, but, like, they can't hug me for, like, a long period of time, so that's just creepy. <laughs> okay. But, like, if, if somebody buys them something and I'm trying to, you know, let them show appreciation, I'll just say, hey, go tell so-and-so thank you. Right. You know, like, I won't make them hug them, but, I mean, if they want, my kids are huggers, so if they want to, then, you know what I mean? So then they want to. And if they don't want to, then there's probably a reason. <laughs> right. This is probably a stupid question. But how do your kids know to be huggers? Because Kristen had said they learn by watching us. So if you're not hugging anyone, how do they know that that's a thing? Well, they just are. I mean, they know why I'm not a hugger. Because I don't like people touching me. Right. But they are just very affectionate kids. That's so sweet. How And how old are your kids? Um, I, w- I called you guys before during the Halloween thing. Oh, okay. And my daughter's 19. And oh, I have a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old, and an 8-year-old. I remember oh, this. Oh, yeah. I remember this. Okay. So I think, I think, you know, just I really do feel like it's probably a 50-50 split. I think some people just don't want to be touched. And other people welcome affection. And I think it's tough because then you, when you're a hugger, you probably want other people to be huggers so you can convert more people over to your gnarly side. (laughs) And then those of us who are not huggers, you know what I mean? I think, I think Kristen's right. But I also think there are so many other ways that you could tell your kid, like if you want to give him a hug, give him a hug, but you can also just go give a high five and say, thanks. Totally up to you totally up to you. I think you just kind of give it as a choice. And I think that that really gets to stop when they're probably, what would you say? I'm going to say probably like, like seven, eight, you don't, you can just let them decide. Right. Right. Maybe because I think toddlers, toddlers will tell you what they think just by hiding behind. Exactly. You know what I want to add though? What's really interesting, Tiffany, is I am a hugger. I'm super affectionate, but I have an anxious daughter that isn't. So right. I think it's an interesting juxtaposition. She's older so though, read- right? No, she's six. She's six. <laughs> so she's a grown up. Like right. I said. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, th- Sammy, thank you for calling thank in. Thank you, Sammy. We appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you. And Bye. I love you guys. Oh, Bye. you too. Have a good, have a good one. In Iowa. Iowa. Okay. So, so cold there. So then, uh, okay. If it is split and everybody's different, everybody has different opinions. Why are all these warnings saying not to, instead of just being like, okay, do what you want to do families. Well, I think this Girl Scouts of America post came out from their, their psych psychologist. The Girl Scouts of America have, have a designated psychologist. I'm sure they have plenty of them. Sure. It peps them up to sell the cookies, right? What? (laughs) No, they definitely do. I'm confused. No, no. It's like a huge, it's a massive organization. Yeah. But they uh, like they're girls like in the woods, camping, earning badges and stuff. Right. Right. But yeah. So what do they need a psychologist? The mental welfare of Girl Scouts of America, I guess. And to teach them lessons and stuff. That's great. I'm down. Yeah. No, I think it's good. But I think the reason that they're introducing it is because of all of the talk recently about consent. And I think people are just trying to dial, dial into it. And I look, you know me, I'm not offended by the majority of stuff. Really? I am. I am a very, I'm a, I am not a high maintenance gal. I am. I, my husband is shaking his head. (laughs) No, I'm not high maintenance. I am. I am not offended easily at all. But I have boundary issues, man. Don't come in for a hug. And I'm not. It's just one of those things for me. 
I just no. The next time I see you, I'm going to tackle you. I know. Listen, it's this close. <laughs> People in the comments are like, give her a hug. <laughs> it's so hard. I, 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 I dare you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, I think it's very interesting. I actually made a video about this, and it goes up on, goes up to, on my site tomorrow. So, I am waiting to see all of the hate mail I get from the huggers. Didn't you make another video about... Oh, I think it was asking people to the dance or something. Never mind. Yeah, that was a that was a different one about yeah. about. But it's that also boiled down to once again consent and other things like that because it is definitely an issue that people are talking about. But right just now. that word. I mean, I, it's I, such a hot topic. I know. And so I feel like if we keep making a huge deal about it and you know pointing fingers and fighting with everybody on the internet about it and giving it so much attention like it's going to divide everybody but if we just mm-hmm. said like hey do it feels right in your family i truly don't believe that having a two or three year old hug a family member or a friend of yours just asking them to is going to result in them not being able to defend themselves later in life i just can't see the correlation but again no, I, and i actually agree with you i mean i i don't i mean i don't disagree with you i don't think it's that big of a deal either but isn't that the whole point of social media i mean it's to cause controversy and cause discussion and that's why these topics get so hot because Ugh. people are very emotional and they have mm-hmm. emotional reactions to things and it all relates to how they were raised and what what is appropriate to them right i think we should spend a lot of time focusing on how to get your point across without being a b-hole i think that's what the topic should be because uh, like we're having an adult conversation right now with opposing viewpoints and we haven't punched anybody or called names yet well yeah well but why can't everybody do that I hate the internet. Let's burn cool it down. As, yeah. let's, bur- let's burn down the internet that we cannot touch, fee- see, feel, or know where it is. I mean, it, burn it to the ground. It started as a way to share pictures with family members in other states and stuff. And now it's a place for you to dump. Well, I think it started with Al Gore, but we don't need to go Wait, all the way what? back. <laughs> That's who started the internet. No, yes, Bill Al- Gates, no, guys. No, Al Gore started the internet. <laughs> Steve Go Jobs. Go do some research. Jeez, <laughs> Al man. Gore is the guy, the president, ex-vice president. What? Research facility in Sweden. Yeah. Well, anyway, we can argue about I'm this I'm talking forever. about Facebook specifically. Oh, well, specifically Facebook? Yeah, that's where most of the drama and YouTube, all of it, forget it. <laughs> Rabbit hole entered. Yeah, it's but, fine. I think, but I think it's great to talk about these things because we—it's cool to disagree. Yeah, and like, I don't care that that you feel that way. That's that's all you. And I've been able to see things from another viewpoint in discussing it. Like I get some of the points you guys have made. Totally. Yeah. Also, and I get and I get the point you made, Tiffany. And you're right. A two or three year old showing them that it's okay to hug a family member. You've got to teach them. I mean, I get that. That's a great point. People Did we are, just become best friends, guys? People are laughing at me. They're like Al Gore. Listen, I told you. <laughs> Kumbaya, I think the Girl Scouts sing that. Al Gore's rolling his wagon around, circling it around back. Hey. <laughs> to create the internet. Al- With his Iowa pine soap in the back. <laughs> Listen, Al Gore's a good guy. Al, call me, all right? I really love what you're doing, especially in the realm of climate change. Let's oh, have a chat. All right, God. moving on. Moving on. Moving on to our next segment. Let's uh, Let's talk parenting crap. We're going to talk uh, about IVF, and we've had several followers who have emailed in and asked questions about this. And I said, you know what? I I emailed back because this was like a month ago. I got this email, and I said, you know what? We're having Kristen Hewitt on the show next month. I'm going to hold these questions until she comes on because you had two 
daughters via the IVF. So I wanted to ask, you know, we wanted to know from you a couple of things. How common is it? What should those who didn't go through it actually know? What should we know about IVF in the process? Because IVF, I, I believe, is the most common type of assisted reproductive technology. And they basically create an embryo by by joining the sperm and the egg together and then implanting it. And if I'm wrong with any of this, just let me know. So no, you're doing a great job. That's exactly what it is. Okay. So why don't you tell us, just tell us your story and then we can, we can take a caller and see kind of, you know, I have questions too when you're done. Yeah. 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 I don't want to, I mean, listen, you guys, I could do two hours on my story, so I don't want to give you like all the details, but the, the cliff notes version is we tried for seven years to get pregnant. I had endometriosis or I still do. And, um, by the time I was 24, I had the egg reserve of like a 40 year old or 50 year old woman. So, um, it wasn't easy. And so I, in the course of trying to get pregnant and, and, to double back, my husband also works for the Miami Heat, but he travels with the team. So we would only have the summers to do fertility treatment, like where we would have four or five consecutive months. So we did a IUIs or insemination is another common way. And that's what most people start with because it's less invasive and it's less expensive. It's only like a thousand bucks to do an IUI where IVF is, you know, tens mm. of thousands of dollars. Whoa. Um, yeah. I mean, we're talking like 15, 20,000 a cycle with all the drugs. A cycle. It's super, a cycle. Uh, you can do packages. Now, listen, this was 15, 12 years ago. You could get like a package of three for like 20,000 back then. I'm sure it's way more now, but um, it's super expensive. So for me, I just didn't have any, um, you know, I had, was making no eggs. So what you do is you stimulate. So when you have IVF or if you have a friend that's doing IVF and you don't know what it is. So basically what you're doing is you're injecting yourself with hormones to make your body make eggs. Cause our ovaries don't make a lot. The people that, you know, need, need to do in vitro mm -hmm. and you inject for 10, 11 days. I had to do 14. I only made two eggs with the first one embryo and I only made one egg with my second and one embryo, they called her Emmy the golden egg. She really is a gift from God. Um, she really is. I mean, she, and let me tell you this child, I feel like this child, God speaks through me, to me through her. She's amazing. Oh my God. But um, for IVF for me was really a spiritual journey. And this is kind of what I'm writing my book about because I had to find myself. I mean, to stay positive and hopeful when you're told that you have a 0% chance to conceive is impossible. I had to go to several different doctors to find someone who would treat me. And for me, it was a spiritual discovery. I had to go to psych a psychologist. I went to acupuncture. I did healings. I started meditating. I started a gratitude practice. I had to stay super present. I couldn't worry about what was going to happen or what wasn't going to happen. And I really think it took me a long time to get pregnant because I had to rid the past shame and guilt and work through so many issues. And when I finally got pregnant, I really believe it was because I was fully accepting and okay with whatever outcome happened. If I got pregnant, I would be ecstatic. But if I didn't, I understood that this is what was meant to happen and there was still adoption or other options. Wow. Um, but it took me six or seven years to get to that place of surrender and acceptance and, and just being grateful. And if it wasn't for that gratitude journal, like every day I would write down. And if you have friends going through IVF, if you're going through this, I highly recommend journaling. Like every day you need to word vomit every single night. Like what happened, how you're feeling, 
get those emotions out. Don't hold them in because it's hard. It's it's emotionally and it's physically brutal, but it's more emotionally challenging. And then I would write down exactly what happened, what my levels were for the day, my how many eggs I was growing. And then I would write what I was grateful for. And it would really, it really kept me present. And um, I, I swear if it wasn't for my gratitude practice, I wouldn't be pregnant. And I wouldn't be a mom. Um, I have a question as somebody who is completely ignorant to this whole entire thing. So is it okay? every month, are you like on pins and needles waiting to see the results or is it not an every month thing? Well, you can't do IVF every month because you have to prepare your body and do a ton of um, injections. But as you're trying to conceive and you can't conceive, yes. And you feel like a failure, Tiffany, and you feel so much shame and you feel so much guilt that you can't give your husband a baby. And the funny thing about going through and struggling with infertility, it's like, there's like a, I don't know the name of it, Dave, you can Google this and find out, you you know how you buy a car and then everywhere you look on the road, you see that car you just bought. Yes. That's how it is when you're trying to get pregnant. Mm. You try to get pregnant, you can't get pregnant. And every single month, your best friend, the girl at work, the gym, everyone around you is pregnant. You're seeing pregnancy billboards. And it's just, it's an emotional, it's emotionally traumatic because you just feel so guilty and so sad that you can't have the one thing that you want most. And possible resentment a little bit. I'm sure that Um, happens. Well, that's what I'm wondering. You know what I had is I had a lot of self-resentment and I felt guilty that I had maybe harmed my body because I was a partier in college and I drank a lot and you know, I felt guilty. Did I do this to myself? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think I had resentment for other people, but I had a hard time. I couldn't go to baby showers. Mm. Um, you know, I had a hard time and I would call my friends and say, listen, I'm really happy for you. It's just, I'm really struggling. But the other thing I, that really helped me for anyone trying to conceive. So do you guys ever do vision boards? <laughs> yes. Sorry. So I'm looking at my you vision hippies. board right now from IVF because <laughs> I was just pulling hippies. it out. I had like a stork and babies on my vision board, but I took it one step further. I went out and bought like the most adorable baby onesie that I like, and I would visualize, I was hanging in my closet and every day I would touch the little bare feet and I would visualize that Aww. someday I would have this baby in my life. Yes. And that was like my visual 3D. Oh my God. There reminder. are so many emotions right now. Listen. You guys are feeling so many feelings. A vi- vision boards are magical. Everything Ugh. that I put on my vision board has come true. And really quick, before we get into anything else, I know I'm taking over this surprisingly, but I just have, I'm a curious cat. And at hmm. some point I would like to know. That's okay to say, but circling the wagons is out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to know the line. I just need to lo- know the line. Curious Touché. cat. Touche. For the love. I, I want to know um, what are some things that, like, during that time, what do you want to hear and what do you not want to hear from friends? Like, I never know what to say. It's so funny that you said that because I have a post in drafts called 20 things to never say to your friend trying to conceive. You don't want to hear, oh, it's okay. You can adopt. Mm. Or you don't want to hear relax because literally what woman wants to hear the word relax right? in any situation? I second that. Yeah. You know, you just want, you just want to be supportive. You know, like if you have a friend going through it, recommend meditation or do you want me to go to yoga with you? Like, do you want, you know, like distract them, So give them a spa gift card or take them, you know, to get their nails done. Like they just want to know that you care and you're thinking about them, but telling people that they can always adopt and to relax that that's just the worst. What about like, um, it'll happen when the time is right. Cause that's what I always feel like. I say to my friends and then I feel like everybody else and their mom has said that to them and they probably don't want to hear it. 
Yeah, but I did, that didn't bother me okay. because it's true. I believe the universe takes us where we're supposed to go. And I was supposed to go through that seven-year journey because on the other end, I realized I wasn't living the life I wanted and I want to be who I want to be. And it, it taught me so much about hardship and gratitude. And you know, Amazing. if it wasn't for yeah. that journey, I don't think I would be... A, if I had had my kids at 26, I think I would have been an egoic, horrible mom. Like yeah. I was so caught up in the things that didn't matter. But now that I went through that, I, I feel like I appreciate everything so much more. Wow. So I don't know. I know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I agree with what you're saying. I am not the mom I was at 25 is not the mom I am today by any stretch. You have to go through things and, and you, right. and, and so I had, I had fertility issues as well. <gasps> Um, I, I was extremely fertile. I was pregnant all <laughs> of the time and I would lose babies. Wow. I lost two before, before Matthias. And then I had my son, um, but I had terrible pregnancy complications. Yeah, I named him Gift from God. Matthias, that's what Matthias means. Um, but but it was, I I could get knocked up. I couldn't stay knocked up. And then even with him, I went into early labor at six months. And then I was on bed rest. And I had to have a surgery. I was on medications. And so every subsequent pregnancy was uh, bed rest from three months on. So for seven Ooh. months, I laid in a bed on uh, medications and had to have my cervix sewn shut every time because the baby would just fall out. Oh my sweet So Lord. I did. That's why the third one was kind of like I, after two, I was done. I was like, I don't want to have any more babies. It was so hard on my body. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so fertility issues can be this, like you're talking about where you can't conceive fertility issues can be where you can conceive, but your body just rejects a pregnancy. And so you have a lot of miscarriages and other issues. And what I think the, the common, the common issue that women have is we, people don't want to talk about it. So we don't think these issues are common and they are extremely common, mm. extremely common. And then, so I held, when you were talking about your guilt and your shame, I was shaking my head and saying, yeah, I felt the same way. Cause when I would lose a baby, it was, what did I do? Why exactly. could I not keep that pregnancy? And I think we do that as women in general. Like we yeah. always blame ourselves. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Terribly. But I think it's, I think the more we talk about this, the more we share these other things, women can say, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't know it was so common. And it is, it really, really, really is very common. Uh, I had lost two and I, I thought I went to my OBGYN and I was like, do we have to go to a fertility doctor? And he's like, no, this is very common. And I'm like, what do you mean? I just, I lost two babies in a row. And he's like, it's very common. And you know what he told me to do? relax. And I wanted to punch him in the face. And I wanted to, I remember that moment. And I remember looking at him and he goes, it's not that big a deal. And I was like, I can't believe he just said that like out loud, which is why I go to a female doctor. I I do. I do now, but yes, it was, it was drove me up a wall. And, and of course the third time uh, I was pregnant, it resulted in Matias, but it was, um, terrible pregnancy, horrible, so hard. I had bad pregnancies too, and mine were early. But I mean, and so oh, yeah. many people suffer. You see, I don't know if you guys know, follow Gabrielle Union. Yeah, um, she's married to Dwayne Wade. She yeah. had eight miscarriages and just had a baby via surrogate. I mean, that was so amazing to see that she still persisted after so much heartache and pain. Mm. And I think it's amazing what women go through to have kids. Uh, and those of you who just get pregnant naturally, like I bow down to you. That is awesome. That is a gift. Well, and <laughs> Tiffany, were yours? Did you have any issues, Tiffany? Uh, no, other than I got <laughs> pregnant in a halfway house. 
<laughs> but other than that, it was pretty much. And that's the thing is, I feel well, there wasn't guilty anything saying else to it. Do. And I like, I feel, and I know, like on Facebook, there's these things going around, right? Like pictures of people joking about having twins or whatever, like to trick your family. Um, there's a picture of twins in a sonogram, and the person's like, you know, I can't believe this has happened. Da 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 da. And then at the very end, it says, "Whoever the parents are, congratulations." And it's supposed to trick everybody into thinking you're having twins. And I, you know. I have heard that it's very offensive to joke about being pregnant with people who are struggling with IVF. And that's why I was wondering what you wanted to hear and what you didn't yeah. want to hear. Cause I never know what to do. Um, and even like, I have a friend who's struggling and I don't, I don't talk about, I, I don't know what to talk about around her. Cause I don't want to say anything that'll hurt her feelings or make her feel inadequate or well, you're a hugger. Well, Give her a hug. Yeah, <laughs> hug, her. Yeah, hug her. And I think it's awesome that you're so sensitive, but I don't, I mean, you know, if she wants to talk about it, let her talk about it. Sometimes we just need to vent our emotions and say, gosh, this is really hard. Let's take a caller. Um, let's see if somebody can call in and talk to us about your, did you have IVF? Do you, uh, did you struggle with fertility issues? Anything like that? Um, if we have somebody in here that can, that can talk about that or you know, shed I believe some we light. have, I was reading some, <clears throat> I was trying to see too. And I saw, I saw IVF come up in the feed. So let's, let's try and take a caller there. But I, I, I think it's great. And I'm glad you're focusing your book, Kristen, on this topic and discussing it because I mean, think about it. There truly are so many women out there who think that it's just them. They really, really, really do because they haven't come across it. And I think that a lot of, t here's my belief, right? Because I'm not an emotional huggy. I don't want to talk about my feelings all the time, but I truly believe our stories that we have are not for us. Our stories are to be told because somebody else needs to hear it. Yep. That is my belief with everything that we do day in and day out. So your story Although you've lived it and you've grieved it and you've enjoyed it and you've loved it, your story is meant to touch another person who is currently going through or will be going through a situation very similar to yours and they need to hear those words. So using that, using your platform and your book to do that is amazing because that's probably, if I asked you, is had to be one of the roughest parts of your life. The process. Oh, I mean. yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, the process is is horrible. And I agree with you. I think the stories are told and, and the braver we all can be and be open and share our stories. That's what's going to help not only us heal, but help others heal as well. I did you say you had other questions that people wrote in about IVF, Meredith, too? Or did I already answer them all? I wrote down some. Somebody was asking if insurance covers it. Sorry to so jump a lot on your... of people. Yeah. I have a friend that worked for NBC and she had great insurance and it covered it. We did not have any coverage at all. So we were all out of pocket. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. How are you? It... Ex... Yeah. How are you expected to come well, up with that kind of money? It's like 20. Well, was... well, my husband's 10 years older and he had savings. Thank God. I mean, I was younger than him, but he had the money and you put it on credit cards really. And we just paid it off. So I'm sorry to keep asking questions, but I, I would rather. No, I love it. Go for it. If so, let's say you pay the twenty thousand dollars and it doesn't work. That's it. Your money's just gone, That's right? It. Oh yeah. my gosh, I can't imagine that. I cannot imagine that. Well, I watched Eric and Trey, who adopted my best friend. There, he's my cousin and his his husband. And we always joke that Mason is an extremely expensive car because I think at the end of the process they were somewhere just under the fifty thousand dollar range. 
Uh, and, and the thing is, is that you start that process and you don't know when it's going to end. You don't know if you're going to get a baby. And I know it's not exactly the same by any stretches IVF because they didn't, their bodies weren't physically going through the things like Kristen was, Mm -hmm. but the end result was to have a baby and it was extremely expensive. So I'll call them, sometimes I'll call them little jag. (laughs) <laughs> it's like this little jaguar but i mean it's 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 amazing but that also goes to show you like what people will do how much how much you know love they you know they want to have a baby and so what do they do it's like they will literally work their butts off to pay adoption fees or ivf treatments or whatever because they they want to do that my brain's going and really deep so- sorry and it's so no, no, no. And it's so painful too. And just to add to that, Meredith, it's so painful for a woman, like just going through it, like you're bruised, your legs, your, and I was doing my shots at like games, right? At Marlon's oh games gosh. at heat games. I was shooting up the hormones in the public bathrooms, but it was so worth it. Once I held that first baby in my arms that I did it all over again. I mean, yeah. it's just like childbirth. Yeah. We do it all over again because once you feel that love, you, you know, you have to have it. Wow. And what age were you when the first was born? And then the second 33. And then I went into full menopause because I had premature ovarian failure and my body was attacking my ovary. My disease was attacking my ovaries. And then I miraculously came out of menopause through all kinds of crazy holistic treatments and had my second one at 36. So they're three <sighs> years apart. Nine and yeah, six. two and a apart. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if anybody's ever gone through IVF, gone through all of that, gotten pregnant, had a baby and then got postpartum depression. Can I'm you sure. imagine? I had postpartum anxiety disorder like a mad woman. I was oh. just thinking about how those feelings must be so confusing. I wanted this baby more than anything, and now all of a sudden I'm feeling like I... I'm sure that's absolutely... Wow. I've never thought about that. Yeah. All right. Who do we have, Tiff? Oh. Sorry. Um, Melinda? Melinda from... I was looking at it, and I was still thinking about the <laughs> other thing. My brain's so weird. Miranda... Can you hear me, Miranda, yeah. from Colorado? Yeah, hi. Hello. Yeah. Hi, I was just there in Colorado. Hello. Nice. Okay. What's up, girl? I don't know what to say. <laughs> so, so, I've never gone through this situation exactly, um, but I have a lot of family members and people close to me who have. But I can relate. I just actually recently had twins. Um, they're still in the NICU. I have them at three weeks. Um. I went into labor for six months, and they, like, gave me calls and stuff to do with keep me pregnant, and um, it only worked for about three days, and I gave birth. I was, I went into labor at 23 weeks and, like, three days, and I gave birth at exactly three weeks, but babies are in the NICU still, so, and they're, they're having to this hard decision of uh, quality of life, and what that looks like for them because they're saying since they were born so early and they're having issues like coming off of well a lot of support for breathing and stuff that um I would have to choose whether I want them to live like this for the rest of their life with all these issues and developmental problems and surgeries and stuff or do I want them to have a good life while they live it for as little as it will be if I decide to like um let them pass or how um, how long have they been in the NICU I've been in the in the NICU since August second. Wow, you said they My were born at twenty three weeks. Twenty four weeks. I went into labor at twenty three. Oh my god. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine. So, 
and so it's a little muffled what you were saying, but I just want to, so I just want to make sure I understand you had them at 24 weeks and you had a decision to make and you, you decided that you would rather them have what little life they possibly could or would have rather than none. Is that what you said? Well, no, so I have them and they've been like working with them ever since trying to get them off of all the support that they're on and since, and just recently they've asked me to make this decision. Oh, and they're not asking me to make the decision right now. So they're saying to keep it in mind because there's families that have made the decision either or who have been in the NICU for um, over a year with their children. And that's difficult because like, how do you build a bond with two children, not just one, but two children that you created and went through all that scariness of almost losing them already and then them asked to just take them away from you after like nine months or a year. I can't, I can't and imagine. I've asked, and I've asked my mom for like, cause I'm only 19. Mind you that. Oh, oh babies, so, I want to hug you so bad. Oh my gosh. So I've asked my mom like, not for help, but for her insight on it because she's had several uh, miscarriages and um, abortions because of medical issues and, of other issues and things like that. So I kind of asked her insight on it and she, it's like, I don't know. I feel for both sides because I was able to go through that process, but at the same time, I wasn't able to go through the full process as easily. Just like when you had your first baby, um, it was, once you finally got that experience, it was kind of taken from you in some way. Yeah. But I, I, I'm sure that there are support groups out there, people who have been through similar situations who you can talk to and gain insight from um, other than just your mom. I would ask the, uh, the, the women, the nurses in the NICU for, uh, I'm sure that they have, <clears throat> have Facebook groups and other things like that. Workers, right? Don't they have social workers in the hospital? They do. Um, and they've basically just been trying to help me out with like, um, other things like support for the babies when they do do come home or appointments I need to get done or have you vo have you um, voiced that you would like some help making that decision and have having somebody yes. to come speak to you about that? Yes and no. I did tell them that my decision for what they were asking me to do at this point was basically to wait. Yeah, to girl. Wait and see yeah. How we can do and try to get them to do better while we can and. Um, that I wanted to talk to other families that were like going through the situation and stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, my mom always made me believe that like depression and anxiety and um, talking to people and being like really in your feelings about things is wrong. And I, I would ask specifically. And stuff. So I would ask. Yeah. It's been hard for me to reach out. Well, I, you, I think asking specifically that the question th that question to the social workers and the nurses at the NICU. I would specifically say, um, is there somebody that you can, some psychologist or psychiatrist that can speak to me about the pros and cons of, of potentially taking the kids off of the support and leaving them on? Because that's what I need help okay. with. That's the question that I, I would really like some, uh, some support with. So that's, so in terms, that's what I would, that's my advice to you and finding obviously those support groups, but we truly, 
uh, appreciate you um, calling in. Really quick, Miranda. Um, first of all, there's yeah. somebody in the comment section. Um, if you can go back and look, they said uh, to have you call her because she's been right where you are. And I'm reading all the other comments. There's a lot of love being sent to you right now. Um, and my advice as somebody who's never been in this situation ever would be just to take it one day at a time, man. You don't have to make any decisions today. Just love them while they're here and, you know, and just wait and see. Um, but I would definitely cry like laughing cry now like get a cry cry go back into this feed as soon as we hang up and you find that there's somebody who's literally reaching out to you holly wants you to call her she's been there please connect with her send a private message chat with her in here and 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 go and speak with her i'm so glad that this can i'm so glad you called in because there was somebody that needs to talk to you yes girl sending you so much love thank you so much for calling in about the other subject and then I was like well let's try this one I really didn't think that I would get this far but I really appreciate it oh, look at that just, that makes me, I heart, my heart happy we're going to be praying for you yes, has Nicole. warmed up because it of did. you <laughs> it did. thank you for your honesty <laughs> and we're sending love your way Miranda alright have a good day you, you too. too bye bye oh I'm so glad she called in there was somebody who yeah. needed to specifically talk to her I, that is inc- oh god my heart just goes out to her I love your community though you two because it's so amazing that everyone rallies around and really wants to help each other yeah, and that's man. what I love about your page and your community well that I'm that's your story is this your story is for somebody else I say it over and over again and I truly believe it your story is for somebody else and there's somebody in here who says man we got to chat about this and that's why I get up and I do this every day. I know that's why you do this every day. It, there, we have to make those connections. You got to talk about it in order to find it. out you're not alone. Yes. So, all right. So our next segment is called love and marriage. And that is brought to you today by Kristen, Tiffany and Meredith, because we are all spectacular wives. Kristen, do you, are you good? Yeah, I'm good. I just, I have uh, I have 20 more minutes. Okay. Perfect. All right. We can wrap up this segment in 20 minutes because I never say sorry. Okay. So in love and marriage. <laughs> we don't, women don't need to apologize. The end. In love and marriage today, we are talking about, do you know how to say sorry? Do you know how to say sorry to your spouse, to your significant, your lover? I mean, I know how <laughs> physically. Yeah. Okay. So, um, have you, so <laughs> I read this article and it said, have you ever been offered an apology that said that sounded like this. I'm sorry you feel that way. I hate that so much. <laughs> I hate it so much. It makes me so mad. Did sorry. you see? Oh, my husband literally just looked at me and he mouthed the word relax. I'm going to come across the table and punch it. Okay. <laughs> me? No, oh. Dave. I was like, you don't tell me to relax. Yeah. I got my own man telling me that on yeah. the daily. So have they ever <laughs> said to you, if I offended you... If I offended you, I'm sorry. Or I'm sorry you took it that way. That's always a good one, too. I'm sorry you took it that way. That's... Mm. Mm. So, do you know how to say sorry? Let's start with Kristen. Do you know how to say sorry? Does your husband know how to say sorry? If not, what the heck? So, prior to being 40 years old, I had a really hard time saying sorry. I blamed everyone for everything. So I was terrible. But in the last three years, I've grown a lot and I'm able to take criticism more. And if I do say something that's offensive or I say something that's harsh and somebody points it out to me, I'll, I'll eat crow and say, you know what? You're right. Mm. I'm, I shouldn't have said that. Or I could have said that a little bit nicer. So I'm able to do it now, but it took me a long time to get there. 
Uh, my husband, on the other hand, mm-hmm. um, is is the he'll say he won't say it with meaning. Like you know, when I say it, I say you know I'm really sorry. Like I'll say it heartfelt, and he'll say I'm sorry, but Mm-mm. and he always has the caveat. I always tell my husband, and I don't know how many of you have watched sports that he should have been a, a host on PTI, which is a sports show where people just yell and debate because he yeah. loves mm-hmm. to debate. So no, my husband cannot say I'm sorry, but I um. I find it to be very important. Let me ask you guys this though. Do you need people to say sorry to you? Do you need an apology? Yes. You do? Yes, I do. If they did me wrong, I need an apology. Even I'm from your kid. I'm petty, dude. I don't know. Like I I used to be really good and I feel like I've regressed. Is that the word? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the word. Like I don't like criticism. I have a hard time believing that I'm wrong ever. <laughs> I truly do. Like, there's a reason why I say and do the things that I do. So how can you tell me it's wrong if that's how I feel? You know what I mean? But I'll apologize, but days later. You know what I mean? I'll be like, hey, remember that thing I said in 2017? That's my bad. I've been thinking about it. I didn't mean to say that. But you need an apology immediately. Well, yeah. I do. But you won't give one for six months. No. Okay. About, well, that's per- that makes perfect when sense. When you put it that way, it sounds bad. But right. Okay. But it's obviously it's not. It's not. Right. Okay. It's just how you said it. Say you're sorry right now. <laughs> right. For saying right, it right, right, right. My bad. My bad. <laughs> um, I, uh, I don't like when my husband says um, that I can't feel a certain way or that my feelings on something are wrong. Because it's like, how can you tell me that the way I feel is wrong? Like, it's how I feel. And he'll be like, well, no, it's wrong. That's wrong. You can't use feelings when we're talking about this. And it's like, but you hurt my feelings. And he's like, no. Mm. And so when he says, sorry, it never feels like an actual sorry because he'll preface it with, well, you know, you're, you're too emotional about it. And it's like, well, but how can you be responsible for how someone else accepts what you've said or done? You're not responsible for their feelings. (laughs) <laughs> that sounds so mean. So, I don't even really, believe that. I don't ah, know why I said ah, it. Ah, I, do, <laughs> I literally, but th- while you're talking, I'm thinking about it. Like, what if, what if somebody's easily offended? Then well, do I have to apologize personally? You know, like that's the number one thing in fighting. You have, like, I have to bite my tongue when my husband says something and say, "Don't take it personally." Like that's the number one rule in fighting, right? You right. Have to take it, but. We had this discussion last night at work and it was very interesting. Our play-by-play guy for the heat said, you know, I just find women to be so emotional. And I said, on the other hand, we find you to be so simple and non-emotional. We all have our truth and we all see things from our emotional perspective. Right. So I think it's important to listen to each other's feelings and, and try to see it from their point of view. And if you can do that, then you're able to say you're more sorry. You know, that's when I was able to say, I'm sorry, because I was able to put myself in their shoes. Um, but I think that's a lot of, a lot of the time people don't want to do that. They just want to see it from their perspective and they want to take the time to listen and think about it from another perspective. And I think that's where the growth comes, right? At least that's where it came for me. My husband doesn't is sorry. So when I want him to say, I'm sorry, and we're fighting, he's not going to do it. But when I calm down, say, listen, 
this is how I feel. I need you to to think about it. Then I'll get a real apology, but it has to be in a calmer, right. it can't be in the heat of the moment because you're never going to get it in the heat of the moment. Right. Would you guys agree with that or I, no? Yeah. And I was just listening to this, um, to Freakonomics is a podcast and we were listening to it the other day. It was actually about the value of an apology. It was a very interesting episode and they were talking about how people value an apology and which apologies actually matter and which ones don't. Uh, and they were using it, obviously, to talk about economics. Um, and it was very in- interesting to listen to that. But but the point of what they were saying was, yes, apologies do matter. Yes, apologies can sway people one way or the other. And it is actually very important to apologize if you want to have a future relationship. If you want to continue to have a future relationship, people do have to learn how to apologize. Now, they were using it in a business format, right? Like based on companies and how much money they make and when they screw up and blah, blah, blah. But I think there's a that the same goes for the personal aspect. If you do me wrong several times and your apology you're apologizing for something that you continue to do over and over and over again. You're not sorry. Mm. And we're like, we, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and I think that that's, I think that people can, I think people can apologize when they're actually not sorry. And those apologies are worth a pile of poo. I feel like celebrities do that all the time. When everybody gets offended about something they say, they have to issue an apology and whether or not it's real. I don't know. It's a sensitive subject. I I truly feel like I never have to be sorry. And that my husband always does just because that's the law of the land. <laughs> okay. Well, I do think that people will offer fake apologies and I think they're garbage. And I agree with you. I think it erodes a real apology. And if you're not sorry, I say to my husband all the time, if you're not sorry, don't say it. What? Don't say you're sorry to me if you're not sorry. And I, and I mean it like, don't give me that apology because your apology is worth a pile of horse crap. Yeah. Like, don't, I don't want your apology. You don't mean it. And he'll, and then he starts to laugh and he's like, but I do. And I'm like, but you don't, you're looking at me and you're laughing at me and you don't, you're not sorry. You don't know if I'm sorry. No, I do. I do. And you're not, you're not sorry enough. You're not sorry. And so I don't, I don't want that. That's a crap apology. You can keep that in your pocket. I don't want your poopy apology. I think that if somebody, my kids write apologies. Say it again. Oh, we're talking about marriage. That we're talking about marriage apologies, not kids apologies. Maybe I'll right? make Dave write me his apologies moving forward. That's a great idea. <laughs> so here's an example of the other night. We got into a fight. Okay, which we do every day. My husband and I fight every day. I'm very honest and open about this. We bicker. We fight. We do all of the things. We got into the fight. He left the house. He came home with food. And started cooking dinner, and I start pacing behind him, waiting for my apology. And I'm just stewing and waiting and stewing and waiting. And he puts food in front of me, and he made all things that I love. He went out and got me all food that I love and sat down and goes, here you go. That was his apology. Like, that was it. Like, he didn't want to say sorry. He didn't want to say he was wrong. He just said, I made you this. Uh, Apology accepted. (laughs) What do you mean? I would rather have food than words any day of my life. So wait, I mean, your husband knows how to actually take food out of the refrigerator, cook it and serve it. And it's edible. Like that's amazing. He, this was a recent change for him. And he has, he has, uh, become the cook in the house. I don't cook dinner anymore. My husband cooks dinner. Just you're forgiven for everything. For everything moving forward in perpetuity. (laughs) Uh, but no, but so then I, I, so then he starts giggling and then of course I start giggling and then I'm looking at him and he's like, sorry. And I was like, okay, but he did. He made me three things off of the Carabas menu that I like. Are you sh- kidding, kidding me? I'm not kidding. He did. 
He made me a Scotty Thompson. He made me a um I'm calling my husband a right chicken this Brian, second. but with a portobello mushroom instead of chicken because oh, it was vegetarian. Can he come to my house? Look, he is a good man. What did he do I though? Him. I don't remember. Yeah, what oh, did he Jesus. do? What did you do? Do you remember what you did? Something bad. It's like a Tuesday. We you know, we fight a lot. That's what <laughs> I'm saying, is it was something, but a lot of times with my husband, the issue that we have is his tone. It's not what you say. It's, it's how you say it. It's not what you said. It's how you said it. And we fight about that a lot. And he always says to me, you can't tell me what my tone is. And I'm like, I'm telling you. Uh, and we do this a lot. So, yeah. So we're we're insane. We are. We are so crazy. We've, we've, we've been to marriage counseling. And the one thing that has really helped us when we fight is tell me how you're feeling and tell me what you need. Ooh. And when we get in a fight, we take a step back and I calmly say, as calmly as I can, this is how I'm feeling and this is what I need. And it really helps them understand because, again, like as my my partner and my broadcast partner said last night, they don't understand our emotions. So we have to really spell it out for them oh and tell them this is how we're feeling and this is how I need you to react to make the situation better. And sometimes it's just that simple. Well, and there, a quote from this... A quote from this article that I read said, a thriving marriage requires two spouses who are good at giving and receiving apologies. A good marriage only exists when you have two good forgivers. So they're saying, I need this. Does this article tell you how to apologize? I want to read it. Yeah. Um, like where's, I'll have to find it, it and tells I can you send how not it to. to you. It basically gives some lists on, on how not like what, what bad apologies look like and then the proper way to apologize. I'll send you the link. Um, I'll go back and find it. But it it basically says that, you know, and it, and it listed a bunch of different th- reasons that married people fight, you know, money and um, cheating and this, that, video games, thing. video game addictions. Um, but it basically said, if you want to continue to stay married, you have to forgive the person. You can't hold on to it. And even if they've said sorry and they've been remorseful and they've changed their ways, if you continue to hold on to that you 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 won't be able to stay married. They said you have to be a forgiver in order to stay married because it's literally in certain cases. Well, but if you can't if you can't forgive them, then then you can't So you can't bring saying, up something that happened 16 years ago? No. <laughs> no. Do you guys ever do that? Every day. <laughs> Every day. Literally. Well, but that's what they're saying is if you if you continue to go back then you've not healed from it and you don't want to move forward. So that's what they were saying. So it's you have to be, deep. well, they're saying you have to be, a, you, you have to be able to receive an apology and give an apology. Otherwise that type of union won't stand. I think marriage counseling is a good, just all over blanket way yes. to fix all this because some of us don't know how to responsibly react and act in arguments and situations. So maybe getting a mediator would be a good idea. I think, I think a mediator is a great idea. I think somebody should live with us. I'm going to make a phone call as soon as we leave here. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I am, I am all for that. I think communication is key and I think that, um, forgiveness is key and apologizing so that the other person feels, uh, heard and validated makes all the difference. Somebody said, sometimes you have to accept an apology you never received. And I fully believe that when it comes to certain things, Mm. um, just not from my spouse. He needs to apologize every time. Every time. I actually wrote an article about this one time. Um, Okay. So Kristen, where can we find you if we want to stalk you after this is over? 
My Facebook page is Kristen Hewitt TV and my blog is kristenhewitt.me. Perfect. I should have I would love to connect. said not in real life. Where can we find you if we want to stalk you? I meant online. So that was she perfect. She got that. She got that. She didn't give her home but address. Tiffany, I want you to come to a heat game. I want you to come to Miami. Listen, I would get major brownie points with my husband for sure. I would love to do that. And we can make Let's it like it was my it. idea. Yeah. Um, and not yours because because uh, it was all your idea and I love it. Uh, Kristen, what about that journal? Can we talk about? Can you just tell us where the journal's available? Because I love that idea and I yeah, think people are interested. Yeah, thanks for asking. So they're on my website, kristenhewitt.me. I have a shop window and you can just go to the shop and um, and they're on sale right now. They're actually twenty five percent off. So nice. if you're looking for a gift for teachers or your sister or your mom or your friend or someone you know that's going through a really hard time, um, it's a really great gift. It's a good teacher gift because they're going to write in there that they're grateful for winter break soon. Yeah. <laughs> and wine. <laughs> and relaxation and your kid not being in their class right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. God, don't we love teachers? I, I do. Mean, they're just, they do so much. I, I mean, do. they get our kids out of our house for six hours a day. I, it's amazing. They're they such saints. They truly, truly are. They truly are. And Atlanta, I'm coming to you in December. On December 27th, there's uh, my, my good friend, Jerry Brooks. Um, invited me to come and crack jokes with uh, a whole bunch, of, a whole slew of teachers. So I'm coming for the teachers. We're gonna make some. We're gonna make some jokes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Kristen. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you guys. I love chatting with you. Yeah, you are it was phenomenal. Nice getting to know you. And, and I'll I'll send you this creepy. email. <laughs> it was okay. nice getting to know That's you, it. Kristen. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you. I make goodbyes so awkward every time. Well, and then you breathe heavy into the mic. I was going to say I love you, but then I was like, it's too soon. It might be too soon. It almost came out. You could rewind the tape. I almost (laughs) said it, but I didn't. Oh, well, thank you for being here with us today. Join us next week for another episode of Take It or Leave It, an advice-ish show hosted by two struggling moms who who have have no idea idea what what we're we're doing. doing. dun Look at that. We, we did, did it today. Uh, it's because he has it in huge letters. Yeah. Underlined. <laughs> Read now. Thank uh, you guys for hanging out. Thanks for hanging with us today, guys. Next week. Same time. Same bat channel. I don't even know what that means. My grandma used to say it. Oh, I don't know. And I don't think it's the same time next week. I think it's actually Friday. Well, I'm talking about the people who are listening. Oh. Because that's the people who are actually physically listening to this podcast right now. Right. Well, yeah. They'll come back. Same. They'll be hearing this on Sunday. Correct. And then we say, see you same time next week, which would be Sunday again. Correct. Oh, or whatever day they listen to it. They need to listen to it on the day it comes out. Oh, okay. Immediately. Sundays. Sundays. Yeah. Make Sundays. sure you subscribe and, and leave us episode, reviews. This is episode 11. Yeah. We're like veteran podcasters. This is crazy. Now. We're, we are the number one podcast in the country. We are <laughs> currently trending as the number one podcast in the country. <laughs> Next week it'll be globally. I not, can't. Not even the we're, we're across the nation. Across the nation. Do you know how hard it was for me not to make a joke when she said that uh, she traveled to Jupiter and was breastfeeding? <laughs> I was going to make an alien joke, as so but uh, I didn't. I really wanted to. Anyway, oh my. All right, I love you guys. Have a great week. All right, guys, don't forget, we are on iTunes, Google Play Music, and now Spotify. Oh, yeah. And you can find me at jugglingthejenkins.com. You can find me on Facebook at That's Inappropriate. You could also find me at America's Most Beautiful Mom on the Planet slash co. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.